What do you want from me? Not, I'm not asking you guys to answer that out loud. <laughs> I'm asking you guys to consider the question, what do you want from me? Because that's a question that all of us ask throughout our lifetime. We're asking people this question, right? From childhood to all into our, to our, to our adult lives and probably on, on up into our, our older, older days. What do you want from me? We ask our mom and dad, we ask our parents, what do, you, what do y'all want from me? What do you want from me? We ask our children sometimes, what do you want from me? We ask our bosses, what do you want? What do you want from me? Our acquaintances, our friends, over and over. This is a, a question that just kind of persists and happens throughout our lifetimes again. What do you want? What do you want from me? And if we were to be honest, we'd probably ask God that question sometimes too. What do you want from me, God? What do you, what do you, what do you expect of me? What's, what's your deal? What's my deal? What am I supposed to be doing here? What's my purpose? What do you want from me, God? If, you, if, if, you've, if you've done that in the past, or if you, if you do it now, maybe you do it repetitively. Sometimes I do. What do you want from me, God? Don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. People have asked God, what do you want from me since, since forever? And that's kind of what we're going to take a look at in, in the Scripture today, which comes out of the, uh, the book of Micah in the Old Testament. I'll read that, to you, read that Scripture to you first. And uh, then we'll kind of unravel, unravel that scripture a little bit, and then we'll talk about it some more. But it's chapter 6 of the book of Micah, and uh, it's verses 6 through 8. And the author writes, he says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And that's where the questions end, and God interjects. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does God, what does the Lord require of you, but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's the word of God for the people of God. So again, just let me just unravel it just a little bit. The person here that we're reading about in the scripture is, is an unnamed person. We don't, the person that's asking these questions, we don't, we don't have any clue who this is. So uh, for the sake of argument, for the sake of time, um, we're just going to re- refer to him or her as, as the worshiper. This unknown worshiper comes before God, basically, and he starts asking uh, some pretty serious questions. You know, The first question that we see, see this person ask, he says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Modern day translation, what do you want from me, God? So he goes on here and he tries to answer um, to answer his own question. What do you want from me, God? He says, well, you know, will the Lord be pleased with, the thousands, with thousands of, I'm sorry, shall I come before him with burnt offerings? Should I come before him with calves a year old? Now at the time, I'll give you background there. At the time, that would, have considered, that would have been considered a normal sacrifice to God. That would, that would have been considered a normal offering to God. Um, um, burnt offerings and a year old calf. But he kind of ups that a little bit. He says, well, you know what, maybe, maybe God's not happy with that. Maybe God's not pleased with that. What if, God, what if, will you be pleased, will you be happy if I gave you a thousand rams, if I gave ten thousand rivers of oil? asking himself kind of these rhetorical questions now. But then he ups the ante even more. 
Maybe God won't be satisfied with that. Maybe God won't be satisfied with all that oil. Maybe God won't be satisfied with all those rams. Shall I give my own child, God? Shall I sacrifice my own child? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So again, he's kind of asking these, these questions. What do you want from me, God? Should I give this to you? Should I go above and beyond? My gosh, should I do the unthinkable and give that to you? What do you want from me, God? God responds in verse 8. He says, I don't want any of those things. God doesn't want extreme, although these are good things. Offerings are good things. Sacrifices are good things. That ain't what he's looking for. He doesn't want extreme or even ordinary sacrifices and offerings. He wants three things from the worshiper. And it's the same three things that he wants from us today. He wants people of justice, he wants people of mercy, and he wants people who are walking humbly throughout their lives with him. I think what you see in this passage is that God's response here kind of lines up beautifully with what we've talked about really week after week after week. The same thing Jesus says that he wants, his expectations. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to be people of mercy. I want you to walk humbly as you live your lives with God. And I want you to be pursuers of justice. It's very simple, church. It's, it's very, very, our faith is so very simple. What God wants from us is so, so very simple. It's almost embarrassing that we try to complicate it as much as we do. Maybe we really don't think it is that simple. Maybe we're just, we're just too complex ourselves. Maybe we just don't think that it's that simple. I don't think that's the case most of the time. Most of the time, I think the case and the most prominent reason that we try to complicate it is that, that we, have a <coughs> we have a tendency to push back against these things. We have a tendency to push back against being merciful. We have a tendency to push back against people of, being people of humility. <coughs> and we have a tendency of pushing back against being pursuers of the good of all people, which we call justice. That's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. You know, like I said in the prayer at the beginning of the service, it isn't easy. It's not comfortable to us to be humble when our culture does not value humility. Our culture values arrogance. Our culture values self-preservation. Our culture values self-service. It's not easy to be merciful when our culture certainly does not value mercy. Our culture values revenge. Our culture values retaliation. It isn't easy to be merciful when we still carry along that eye for an eye mentality. And months ago, months ago, months ago, we talked about this whole eye for an eye deal. It's not easy to pursue justice. It's not easy to pursue the well-being of all people, the good of all people, if we were to be honest, because it's just too much work. And frankly, a lot of times, we just don't care. But God makes it pretty clear, church. Jesus makes it pretty clear. Loving God, loving our neighbors, exercising mercy, exuding humility, pursuing justice for all people, that's what God's looking for. These are the hallmarks, my brother Wayne Reese. These are the hallmarks of the Christian. This is a, this is a question my brother Wayne explores very, very deeply. We talk about it a lot. This is the heart of Christianity. This is the heart of what it is to be a Christian. So simple. Love God. Love people. 
be justice, be mercy. Walk alongside me throughout your life with a sense and a spirit of humility. That's what matters to God. That's what matters to God. Look at these two instances, and I know I keep going back to this same passage. If you're, if you're a, a regular attender at Bemis, I know that I keep going back to this same passage all the time. You know, I don't really think that we can drive this passage home enough, but I want you to look at the similarities between Micah 6, 6 through 8, and the similarities between what Jesus, how Jesus responds when somebody asks him what's the greatest commandment. They're pretty much exactly the same. Right? What's the greatest commandment? Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your, love your neighbor as yourself. God, what do you want from me? I want you to be people of love, which some Bibles translate mercy into love in this, in this instance. I want you to care for people. I want you to take care of people, especially those who can't take care of themselves or who have a hard time taking care of themselves. And I want you to have a spirit of humility and allow me to lead you and walk alongside you throughout your life. Pretty much the same response. How can we deny what God wants from us? We can't. God has made it so, 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 so very simple, but we are sinful, prideful, and self-righteous people, and we will find excuses after excuses after excuses not to do, the, not to do and not to be the very plain, very, very plain, I know Scripture can be complex. I know Scripture can be un hard a lot of times to unravel, to understand, to read a 2,000-year-old text from Jewish culture and Hebrew culture and try to understand all this. This is not one of those cases, folks. This is a case where the Bible is pretty doggone plain. I want you to love God. I want you to love people. I want you to be people of mercy and justice, and I want you to allow me to lead you humbly throughout your lifetime. hard-headed and we're prideful and we're self-righteous. I want to draw your attention back to a scripture that we talked about just, just to give you another comparison. I want to draw your attention back to another scripture that we went over several, several weeks ago, but it applies here so much and it's so, so very similar. And it came out of, if y'all remember right, it came out of the book of Amos. It's Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. And I want to re we don't have a slide for it, but I want to reread that to you just so you'll see the, the, the same comparison here. Uh, as, as to what God says he wants. What, what does he want of his people? And the uh, translation that I'm reading this out of is the, uh, is the message translation of the Bible. And the reason that I chose that is I, I just think it packs, that this particular translation packs a pretty powerful punch uh, for our modern world, from our modern churches. But anyway, it's Amos 5, 21 through 24. And this is what the prophet Amos writes. This is what, this is what God speaks through the writings of the prophet Amos. God says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences. I'm fed up with your, with your conventions. I don't want anything to do with your religious projects. I don't want anything to do with your pretentious slogans. I don't want anything to do with your goals. I am sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations, and your image making. Do you know what I want? I want justice. And I want rivers of it. I want fairness. That's what I want. And Scripture actually says that's all that I want. We ask God what he wants and he tells us and then we don't want to do it. What's the message here? What's the message from what I just read you in Amos? What's the message that I just, we just went over from the book of Michael? What's the same message in the New Testament when, when, when Christ is asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment? 
the message here is, you know, it doesn't matter if we attend church every time the doors are open. It doesn't matter if we pray multiple times a day. It doesn't matter if we read our Bible faithfully. We can do all these things, and y'all know good and dang well that I encourage all of those things. But if we are void of love, mercy, and humility, if we are not pursuing justice and equality for the good of all people, all of that stuff is absolutely meaningless in the eyes of God. Do y'all need me to repeat that? We can do all those things, but we're, we're not becoming people of mercy, love, justice, humility. All of that stuff that we're doing is absolutely meaningless in the eyes of God. We might as well just put our Bibles away. We might as well stay home on Sunday mornings. We might as well just do whatever the rest of the world is doing. These things are the things that come first. This is, this is simplicity. This is, this is Christianity 101, the very foundation, Wayne, of Christian practice and Christ, Christian living. Walking, living humbly in relationship with God. Being people of mercy, being people who are pursuers of justice, loving God, loving neighbor. This is what God wants. This is what God requires of us. What do you want from me, God? This is it, he says. And you know, really, having a spirit of humility, and, and you can't make yourself do that necessarily. It, it, it all comes from learning to be submissive to God. But having a spirit of humility and, and, and walking humbly, as our scripture says today, that's really the key to all this stuff. It's really the basis of being, of being able to be people of love and mercy and justice. You know, what does that mean? What does that mean to, to walk humbly alongside God? It just, means, it just means to walk with God in relationship with Him constantly. Constantly being in His presence. That's why at the beginning of the service and at the end of the service, we always have those quiet times because I want you guys to absolutely know what it's like to sit in the presence of God. We're always in it. And that just gives you a little bit of space to be more aware of it. Now, when we're able to carry that awareness and that presence outside, that's when the magic starts happening when we know that we're literally walking in the presence of God and that we're listening to him, talking to him, talking to him throughout our days in that constant relationship. That's the basis of becoming all of this stuff that we're talking about this morning. To walk with God humbly moves us away from the vices of pride and arrogance. Cultivating that walk, cultivating that relationship with God provides us the desire and it provides us the passion actually be those people those people of mercy, those people of justice it grounds everything that we do, everything that we are and everything that we hope to become we become those things through walking humbly alongside God to be merciful <laughs> I love talking about mercy man because I see so little of it to be merciful is to fully recognize the mercy that God has given us to pour that same mercy towards other people out into the world. I want y'all to notice, where's it at? Next, that next to last line in uh, verse 8, to act justly and to love mercy. Notice that he doesn't say, I want you to exercise mercy, I want you to practice mercy. He says, I want you to love it. I want you to love doling that mercy out to people. I want people to be swimming in the mercy of God and I want people to be swimming in the mercy of the people that call me Lord. 
I want you to love being merciful to people just as I love being merciful to you. Spread that mercy and we enjoy it. Thrive on it. Being merciful. Being graceful to people. Now here's where, here's where we mess up. Here's where we mess up as Christians. Even the people that in the eyes of the world may not deserve it. Even the people who have hurt us, even the people who have done bad things to us, even the people who have crossed us in some way, shape, or form, I want you to dole out that mercy like crazy. Because I have doled out that mercy like crazy to you. Recognizing the mercy that God has given us should, for goodness sakes, I don't know about y'all, but I don't deserve it. I hadn't always stood up in one of these things. Maybe I've lived a life that's a lot worse than some of y'all, but <laughs> I don't deserve the mercy of God, but I got it, and you got it. That should push me, that should motivate me like crazy to exercise, to thrive, to love, giving mercy to people who don't deserve it. That's what he calls us to. I don't want you to exercise mercy. I don't want you to practice mercy. I want you all to love it. Justice. What is justice? I want you to be people of justice, pursuers of justice. The biblical, that's, that's a word that gets all kind of, all kind of uh, attention today and it gets all kind of messed up in defining what it is. Let me give you what justice means from a biblical, from a scriptural, from a, from a, from a, from a traditionally Christian perspective. The biblical idea of justice is basically based on the understanding that all people are equal before God, that all people are created in God's image, and that all people have the right to be treated dignity and fairness no matter who they are. I don't care if they're Christian. I don't care if they're non-Christian. I don't care if they're black. I don't care if they're white. I don't care if they're Hispanic. I don't care if they're Democrat. I don't care if they're Republican. I don't care if they're green. I don't care if they're yellow. Every single person who walks the face of this planet is a person created in the very image of God who deserves dignity and respect and fairness and the same opportunities that every other person has. That's what biblical justice looks like. And if you read the prophets of the Old Testament, you're going to understand that when people didn't treat people with fairness, bad things happened to them. I'm not God. I'm not saying God's going to strike us down. I'm saying that's what happened then. But it tells us how serious this idea is in the eyes of God. All people are equal before God. Pursuing justice, doing justice, as our sign says outside. Some, some Bibles... Uh, translate translate that verse like that. They say they say uh, to do justice. What does that mean? <clears throat> it basically means to seek out people. We actually seek folks out. We seek out the most most disadvantaged. We seek out the most vulnerable. We seek out the most marginalized in society. You know, we we uh we actually went through several 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 lessons in this in our uh, Wednesday night group. Not not too long before we started doing the prayer meetings. Uh, not too off long ago. And they were really good, informative lessons. And, and I think the people that, who, who uh, participated in that really got a lot of that out of it and our understanding and our, and our call to what, to what justice is and how to carry that out. But it's seeking these things out, seeking these folks out, seeking these opportunities out to be pursuers of justice. Seek out the most disadvantaged, most marginalized. Help them. It means to be advocates. We advocate on their behalf. And, you know, this thing, this, this idea of being pursuers of justice can play out in a lot of ways. You know, it can play, honestly, of course, it, it can play out in the way that we vote. It can play out in our politics, our political beliefs, those types of things. It can, it can play out in the way, you know, you know the, 
that, uh, that, we, that we approach our judicial systems, our economic systems, of course. But it also plays out on a personal level as well. And that's something that we've been, it's something I think we can brag about here at Bemis. Maybe I shouldn't brag, but I'll, that's I'll, in lieu of another term, that's the word I'm going to use. It plays out, justice plays out on a personal level, not, not, not just on these bigger, um, not in these bigger areas. Um, you know, one source that I, that I read this last week while I was preparing for this sermon kind of put it like this. It said, you know, justice is supporting an overwhelmed single parent who is struggling to find time and resources to give adequate time to the children. Justice is taking in a foster child. Justice is employing a person who's just coming out of prison. Justice is a host of other activities that level the playing field and that provide an equal opportunity to all. Justice is providing prayer and a lunchtime meal on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoons here on Bemis Road. Justice is having a stocked food pantry. Justice is having little bags of food to pass out when we, when we, when we encounter our homeless population at the red lights or at the corner, wherever. Those are all justice-oriented ministries. You can name them one after one after one. I'm, I'm very happy that we're, that we're engaged in this type of stuff. God doesn't, you know, God doesn't really pull any punches, y'all. He doesn't. He, I, think, I think God's trying to make our, our faith pretty doggone simple. But we got to understand, we got that pull, man. We got that pull. We got that pull of pride. We got that pull of self righteousness that says, no, I don't, I don't really have to do that. I don't really have to do that. That person hurt me. That person, that person did bad things. They don't deserve mercy. Neither do you. Neither do I. Those people, <laughs> there's another one of my unfavorite terms. Those people, they don't deserve our help because they do something or they don't do something. Those are all, those are all of our excuses for not being and becoming these things that God claimed them. This isn't complicated. My son's understood this since he was three years old. It's pretty simple stuff, folks. I would hope that we would want to be these things that we would actually want to become. I hope, you know, I, I hope that we would see the errors of our ways, you know. And, and I'm not, good Lord, don't think that I think I'm the, <laughs> please. I see where I mess up a lot, you know, where I, have, where I have bad thoughts. Of course I have these kind of thoughts where I don't want to be merciful, where I don't want to reach out and help somebody. Of course I do. But I try my best to recognize them. I try my best to correct them. That's my hope. That's really the starting point for anybody if we're going to become these things. First of all, recognizing that we're not these things, recognizing the areas in our lives where we're not carrying out mercy, where we're not pursuing a just world for people, where we're not walking humbly alongside God. Correct that, give it to God, and, and, and begin becoming those things. It begins with a desire. It begins with a desire to actually be those things. Most people don't even get off the ground with this, okay? Because we don't really have the desire to do this. We read it and we <laughs> read over it and keep on going on living our lives like we want to live them. I hope that you have that desire. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you, God, for, uh, for, your, for your simple directions, Lord, and the simple faith that we have, the simple faith that we've been granted. Uh, we don't deserve your salvation, but we got it nonetheless. And we're so very grateful for it, God. We ask that you would give us, uh, give us hearts that, that reflect your own heart. Uh, your words, your words, the words of God are very plain in Old Testament Scripture. The words of Jesus are very plain in New Testament Scripture. The, uh, the energy and movement of the early church reflects so very much this basic, this basic calling, God. Uh, not, 
just to tell people about you, but to actually show people what you look like through our thoughts, through our words, and through our actions. Embed in us the desire to become these things, to be mercy, to be justice, to become humble as we walk alongside you and allow you to guide us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.